From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. With me in the studio today is Dr. Larry Chin. He's the Chair of Neurosurgery and Medi- Medical Director of the Neuro-Oncology Program at Upstate, and Hans Kim, who's a fourth-year medical student and aspiring oncologist. Uh, they believe that diet may be able to improve the outcome for people who are being treated for a cancerous brain tumor known as glioblastoma. Thank you for both of you being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Um, Dr. Chin, let's just start, though, by explaining a little about what glioblastoma is for our listeners. Uh, A glioblastoma is a malignant brain tumor. And in fact, it is the most common type of malignant brain tumor. Um, It is typically seen in adults, uh, generally uh, older uh, rather than younger adults, Uh, And it's characterized by the fact that it's fast-growing, but it also spreads into the brain. And it's this quality of spreading into the brain that makes it very difficult to treat and also makes it impossible to remove with surgery. So it's critical in the treatment of glioblastoma that in addition to surgery to try to remove as much of the tumor as possible, that you add other treatments, and traditionally that is radiation therapy and chemotherapy. Um, And as you'll hear, maybe there are some other techniques of uh, attacking the tumor that don't rely on what traditional radiation and chemotherapy do to a tumor. Or may help those work better. Exactly. All right. Um, So, Hans, how did you get interested in whether diet... um, plays a role in any of this or could sway the treatment in any way? So uh, as an undergrad student at the University of Pennsylvania back in 2007, I had this um, a trip to uh, Germany where I attended a conference that was probably one of the early days of cancer metabolism conference. And there I learned about the phenomenon called the Warburg effect. So the Warburg effect is really the principle of how we detect cancer these days because... Um, if you're suspicious of having a cancer, the first imaging tool the, the oncologist will order is going to be PET scan, which is a positron emission tomography. And simply what they do is they inject sugars, uh, radio-labeled sugars. So wherever sugar follows, that's where the cancers are. So uh, the thought was, if we're using you know this kind of interesting idea to detect cancer, why not uh, use it for therapeutic purposes? Uh, And I was really fortunate to work with people uh, who was working for Dr. Craig Thompson. Uh, Back then, he was the director of the Cancer Center at the University of Pennsylvania, who later became uh, the director uh, at Sloan Kettering, New York City, for his his achievement in cancer metabolism. So that's when I started really, uh, I got interested in cancer metabolism, the whole idea of uh, possibly using a dietary intervention to help cancer patients. So the idea that um, sugar can help um, us see an image of where the cancer is located, maybe there's a way to have uh, radiation directed to the cancer areas? Is that the same kind of theory? Um, not, not necessarily. So, I mean, the imaging tool is really to detect cancer, uh, but the therapeutic purpose of taking advantage of this unique property of cancer having a sweet tooth is a little bit more complex and okay. uh, more you know, complicated. But the idea is that perhaps uh, we may be able to manipulate the sugar intake or the 
or their carbohydrate intake would eventually become sugars uh, to cancer patients to optimally provide the best uh, outcome along with the conventional radiation treatment. That's really the idea. Well, let me ask this. What do we know about how the food that we eat affects the cells that make up a glioblastoma? Does maybe Dr. Chen can... Well, cancer is a very fast-growing cell, and so it needs uh, ready sources of energy to, um, to keep up its growth. Um, and so it, uh, it relies on sugar, um, like a sugar high. Uh, it, that's a, you know, a quick source of energy. Um, and it also relies on, on uh, blood vessels. And so uh, cancers and uh, glioblastoma is no different, also does things to induce blood vessels to grow into it. And so every tumor needs a source of energy to keep dividing. And I think that that is, is really the idea behind dietary therapy, which is to uh, target um, this need for energy. Um, and, and that's what makes it different from other forms of therapy uh, that are more like toxins, things that you do to a tumor um, that injure the tumor because you're doing something bad to it. You're killing it in some way. And I think uh, the idea with the dietary maneuvers is you're trying to starve the tumor. So it's a different way at getting at a tumor cell. And the, when we talk about the diet that you're looking at in this study, which we'll talk about, um, we're look, you're looking at a ketogenic diet? So That's right. And, and maybe right, Hans right. Uh, can so, describe that. Right. So I think the public is probably more familiar with the Atkins diet. Um, low carb? Low carb diet. So it's very similar to Atkins diet, but it's a little bit more extreme form of low carb diet. Uh, usually uh, the carbohydrate intake is limited to um, 2% of the entire uh, food intake, um, and mostly fatty, uh, fat, um, 90% of the fat, and the rest of the, um, the component of the food is, is usually protein. So it's a very extreme form. Uh, just to give you a number, um, the, at least the trial we're doing, we're, we're going to be asking patients to be on less than 20 grams of carb every day. So people do, the low-carb diets have been popular because people are trying to lose weight on them. And Correct. if I understand it correctly, it's designed to get the body to burn fat or more fat as the primary fuel rather than exactly. sugar, right? Exactly, yes. So how, um, how does that work with cancer or the, whatever, the cells that make up the glioblastoma? Sure. So that's, that's a very good question. I'm, I'm just going to go back to your initial question about how does this diet specifically affect the glioblastoma cells. Um, there is a cell in vitro study data, which was published in 2005, um, again, from the Dr. Craig Thompson's group when I was at the university, you know, back in the university, my undergrad. Um, so people can look it up. Uh, the, what Dr. Thompson did is uh, he used this glioblastoma cells in culture. So this is all done in cells. In, in a laboratory. In a laboratory, yes. And he transformed the glioblastoma cells with a, with a gene called AKT. It's, a, it's an extremely important uh, one part of the signaling um, pathway, it, which is involved in cancer metabolism. And those glioblastoma cell lines that overexpress this AKT gene were completely addicted to glucose. Hmm. 
And what he did is he deprived those glucose and he showed that all these AKT overexpressing glioblastoma cells died, whereas normal cells were able to utilize fat without having any glucose, uh, a pathway called gluconeogenesis. And then um, what he did is he applied a drug that activates the gluconeogenesis pathway in those AKT-transformed glioblastoma cells, and, they, and he basically rescued all those glioblastoma cells, showing that these AKT-transformed glioblastoma cells could not utilize the fat. They were dependent on, on, on simple glucose, which is simple sugars. Um, so that's the, that's the data we have. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that happens in the actual glioblastoma because these glioblastoma, they're not AKT overexpressing cells. This is a manipulated glioblastoma cells. Um, but the normal cells are able to metabolize this and the cancer ones have correct, trouble. Correct. Okay. Yes. So that's really the selectivity. Um, so uh, when we talk about diet, though, what are the types of foods that a person following this who has a glioblastoma, or what types of foods would they eat and what types of foods would they not be eating? So anything, any food that's going to break down into uh, a simple sugars, which is glucose, uh, they should be avoiding those foods. And it's very hard to do that because a lot of the processed foods we have, uh, is they all have carbohydrates in it. Um, so anything, anything that can potentially be broken down into simple sugars those foods should be all avoided. Okay. Is so it a hard diet to follow? Well, so that includes um, bread. <laughs> Pretty much every Starch, wow. pasta. You know, those are all carbohydrates mm-hmm. that get broken down into glucose, in addition to obviously avoiding anything that is has sugar in it. And so this is a very extreme Adkins diet. You could think of it in that way. Wow. Um, so you're eating vegetables? Vegetables, fat, protein. And you could probably, if if you could live on bacon, it's okay to that have would the bacon. Be, bacon would be a good choice. <laughs> Steak would be a good choice. But um, again, this is just for the time period when you're um, preparing for treatment or during treatment. Correct. Radiation correct. treatment. Correct. Yes, specifically okay. along with radiation. Okay. All right. So the study you've put together a study. Um, and that will be launching soon. Um, how is that set up? You'll be looking for people um, newly diagnosed, or yeah. So we're we're looking for patients uh, with glioblastoma, um, and uh, and the idea is that um, that this is going to be part of their regular treatment. So this is not treatment independent of what we know works, which is radiation um, and chemotherapy. Uh, But added on top of that will be this ketogenic diet. Uh, And Hans can maybe describe exactly how we're going to control that. Sure, sure. So um, once once we are suspected of glioblastoma, there's going to be surgery to resect the tumor. And after the biopsy, we'll know for sure that this is glioblastoma. That's the only way to confirm the diagnosis. Uh, and then they have about two weeks, one or two weeks before the radiation kicks in, uh, along with a chemo uh, drug called temozolomide. Um, and the great thing about radiation is it's a daily 
a treatment. So patient will go to the radiation oncology department, get the radiation, about 10, which takes about 10 or 15 minutes every day. So for us, it's kind of easy to check the, the monitor, you know, patients. You'll see them whether, every day. Right, exactly. So we'll, we can get the blood drawn. Uh, we can take a breath test to see, you know, if there's a appropriate ketone levels in their body, which is the really the hallmarks of whether they're maintaining uh, a state called ketosis. Now, but I really want to caution the people out there that ketosis is not the same as diabetic uh, Ketoacidosis. Ketoacidosis. They're not the same thing. Uh, Ketosis simply means that your your body is a state of utilizing fat, which does happen in 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 a DKA patients, but they're not the same thing. So, um, no reason to. But that's something you can test for or monitor every day. They come absolutely. Okay. Um, And Dr. Chen mentioned it, it. This is not instead of. This is in addition to the treatment that they would be receiving anyway. Right. Uh, the idea is that um, because this is a different mechanism of attacking the tumor, uh, hopefully this will be synergistic so that it will add on top of the effectiveness of the uh, traditional treatments and maybe make them more effective. So it'll potentiate the effect of the traditional radiation and chemotherapy. Now, is, it, is this ketogenic diet, is that safe for someone? It's if it's done correctly, it's a very safe thing. Um, personally, I have an experience with my mom who went through a stage four head and neck cancer treatment, uh, who had to rely on a, on a on a tube for her feeding, and I I we decided to put her on a ketogenic diet. So I myself had experienced it. Uh, when I say if it's done correctly, what that means is you want to make sure how much carbs you're eating every day. And most of the people don't know that. So once we figure out how much carbs average they eat, we slowly taper down the carbohydrate intake. And if you do it correctly under the guidance, um, it's a very safe um, diet. Are there um, side effects that a patient would recognize? Or is... Yes, um, there's a thing called keto flu. So some people who's really, when they're, you know, most of our bodies are really used to the carb-rich diet. So, you know, it's kind of adjustment that, you know, the body goes through. So you'll have a little bit of kind of flu-like symptoms, uh, but nothing really serious. And you pretty much adapt to it after your... Yes, yes. And again, this is only during the time that they're being treated with radiation, which, what does that usually take? Typically a radiation treatment course is six weeks. Okay. So someone who could devote themselves for six weeks? Correct, correct. Now, not everyone will be able to comply this diet. It's a very, it's a very hard diet to comply with. Um, but So we're going to probably stratify all the patients. Some will stick to the diet one week, two weeks, three weeks. But I, we, you know, we believe, at least I believe, that will make a bit of a difference. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking about this. Very interesting. My guests have been the chair of neurosurgery and the medical director of the neuro-oncology program, Dr. Larry Chin, and fourth-year medical student and aspiring oncologist, Hans Kim. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.